Hello and welcome back to One for Paul, the show where I, a non-pop culturist, get inducted into the world of pop culture by my friends, comedians, and nemeses. Joining me today is my friend. This is the part where you introduce yourself. Oh, is it? Yes. Good. Uh, hello, everyone. I am Craig Austin, aka Caradios. Caradios. That is my interweb name. Yes. Caradios. I know, right? It's Wait, fun. Does that mean something in the Spanish? I don't speak Spanish. You know what? I put it together from random syllables, and if you look it up online, the only times you see it, as I've spelt it, is my name and possibly a Greek island, but there the name is actually Cara Dios, two words, not one. That's super interesting. So you run a podcast, is that right? It is indeed. I run a little podcast called Red Moon Roleplaying, where we do silly storytelling, largely around horror. For some reason, you've called me here today on your special October-themed horror special podcast. I don't know why. <laughs> Welcome to Paul-tober, the month where I get inducted into horror movies much against my will. I've been enjoying it, actually. I'm glad to hear it. How's it been going so far? It's been going good. It's been going good. It's uh, I, I'm looking forward to today's film. Today's film is Welcome to Barbecue with a Vampire. The new neighbors moved in next door and the Johnsons invite them around for a barbecue. But there's something a little off about them. They couldn't possibly be vampires, could they? They even brought, they brought a cheese plate. Vampires don't bring a cheese plate. Exactly. Plus, it's the middle of the day, and everyone knows vampires glow in the middle of the day. That's what they do, classically. That's the main thing they're known for. What are we actually watching? Uh, we're actually today watching Interview with the Vampire, or if you want the full title, Interview with the Vampire, The Vampire Chronicles. By Anne Rice, I guess, originally. Correct, yes. Yeah, I remember directed the by somewhere. Neil Jordan, in this case. Okay. So I didn't know anything about this film before watching it. I've heard the name Anne Rice. I've not read any Anne Rice. Uh, I think I'd heard the name of this or seen it in a bookshop, and I'm vaguely aware of vampire lore in general. So, like, from video games, and, like, I played some Castlevania games back in the day. And, uh, you know, when Dracula pops up in Scooby-Doo, that's sort of where I learn about it. Yes, that makes sense to me. But uh, if you were a bit more in the know, you'd know that Anne Rice... For a time, you know, uh, this novel, the novel, I think, came out in 1976. Uh, so it was actually quite a while before the films got made. Uh, I say films, two, two films. There's more than one. <laughs> Queen of the Damned is oh, the next God. one. Um, oh, God. And then that's just the last one. <laughs> okay. So uh, do you have any stuff to add at the front of uh, the maybe the role of this movie in pop culture? Like, why were you surprised I haven't seen it? Well, I think it's because Interview with the Vampire, when it was released, had a little bit of a following at the time. Again, uh, the Anne Rice book series has many books, not just one or two. There's like, I think, so at people least are like six super or seven. into this. Exactly. It was a popular franchise, book wise, at least at the time. And when the film came out, it's. You know, it has Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, Christian Slater, Kirstine Dunst. Like, these are all people who will go on to then make many, many more films. But this is just back in the uh, 1994. So, again, some of their careers just starting or, you know, the first, you know. So quite a big thing for them all to be in this film. Uh, 
and it was just very 90s at the time. It was very, I remember as a kid, it being one of those films like, oh, it's a big 18-rated scary film, you can't watch that. And then when you actually watch it, it's not that bad at all. But, you know, back in the 90s, 18-rated horror films were very, oh, they're scary. And then compared to today's standards, not really. <laughs> you remember when 18 ratings were, like, aspirational? Hmm. That was a fun time when we were like, oh, the, the grown-ups are keeping all the good movies to themselves. Turns out, no, they're giving us all the good movies. <laughs> exactly. And 18 just meant, oh, there's something unpleasant or nastiness or maybe some sexual stuff. Yeah. You're not actually that missing out, really. <laughs> you're not missing out. If you're not into yeah. blood or boobs, then, mm. you know, there you go. So uh, unless there's anything else, we'll fade in. To some lovely helicopter B-reel of the Golden Gate Bridge, I think. One of the bridges in San Francisco. And it's at night. And oh, hey, Tom Cruise is in this. And so is Brad Pitt. And so is Antonio Banderas. And so is Christian Slater. And so is Kristen Dunst. I don't see any way that this could at all be a terrible disappointment. Hey, hey, hey. As we go in, you have to remember, part of this film is the cheesiness. Especially... I don't think the film's aged particularly well. I feel it was probably a bit more edgy back in the 90s. <laughs> and now it's I do a have some notes about sillier. that. I do have some notes about that later. Uh, I hmm. mean, you know, that's how you make a good film. That's how you make hmm. a good film. You make it not age well. Just pack it full of, uh, you know, just pack it full of famous people. And people will be like, hey. that's the I have heard of that person before. Hey, this film received two Oscar nominations, I'll have you know. Was one of them for hair and makeup? Best art direction? I, I believe best that. best original score? You know what? Neither of those things relates to the plot, characters, or general direction <laughs> of anything. So, uh, down at street level, I'm kind of in love with this opening shot of just indifferent city crowds going about their business and occasionally looking at the camera as if the camera is a person. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally the this is the modern world shot. Mm -hmm. Like, here here are people, here are humans. Look at them doing their things. <laughs> but it's also very, like, we both live in a big city. We both live in London. And that's just what crowds feel like. Nobody's paying particular attention to anyone else. It's like, if there's a dude ranting and raving while waiting for the bus, you just sort of ignore him. You look at your phone. This guy's looking at his whatever he's looking at. Book, I guess. Whatever he's looking at. And uh, exactly. we cut. We sort of go up to an inside of, of an apartment on the second floor of this classic San Francisco apartment, and a, t a ponytailed Brad Pitt is being interviewed by Christian Slater, a self-professed collector of lives. Yes, uh, and that's all you need to know about Christian Slater. Uh, this that, is about as important <laughs> as his character gets to. He's he's the framing mechanism. Exactly. So, uh, you know. I am, I'm aware this was made in the 90s, but I'm still weirded out by seeing a main character in a film casually lighting a branded cigarette and like showing us the branding to camera. That's different times, I guess, but it's still worthy of note. Yes, actually, that's a good point. You wouldn't think of it at all today, but yeah, back then, so many films had casual smoking and well, brands. product placement, famously, right? Mm. Like, cigarette companies were product placing in Hollywood movies to make it seem cool. And does it work here? Maybe. It makes him seem the edgy, ah, oh, yeah, this edgy interviewer. But then who is this? 
Who is this Brad Pitt? He's, He's being got very a mysterious. He's got a ponytail. Ponytails are inherently mysterious. Of course. And then what happens next? The oh. next thing that happens is this close-up of this brand of tape recorder, which also paid for the sponsorship spot in this movie. Now available at Popular Electronics Shop. And on being told hey, that Brad is a vampire, uh, he doesn't believe that Brad is a vampire and requires proof. The proof uh, that is offered here is that Brad is kind of fast. <laughs> well, it certainly freaks him out. Yeah. Oh, so maybe maybe I would have taken the proof of, oh, oh so you've got freaking veins in your face and your eyes are gray. But, you know, hey, no. maybe that's just normal. Hey, no. people, people have all kinds of colored eyes and some people got the, the veins in their face. At the same time. Yeah. And they speak quietly and softly. And they speak quietly and softly at all times. What? <laughs> uh, turns out Brad is 200 years old. Oh, good. We've got a framing mechanism that undercuts any danger that Brad could ever actually be in in the movie, because now we know he survives until at least 1990X. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. That's fine, right? Cut to another just gorgeous shot of a sunrise over a river. We've gone uh, in in back in time now. Not They haven't traveled in time. This is just flashback to Louisiana in the 1700s. And the docks here are teeming with people working on large bales of cotton. Th these are slaves. Louis here is hmm. a slave. Uh, this is Brad's character's name, Louis. Louis is a slave driver. He's a slave owner. And uh, he's a wealthy white plantation owner. So he's just causing such unfathomable suffering through his direct participation in one of the most brutal and evil things humans have ever done to other humans. But it's okay, because as he says, he's barely 24, younger than you are now, but it was a different time. That makes yeah, it all fine. That makes it okay. <laughs> According to him, his opinion is him. this. Hmm. I guess his wife and child died a while ago, so mostly he spends his time uh, kneeling at this real intricate grave of his wife while drinking a bottle of brown stuff. And already, I feel, the tone of the character is declared. I am sad. Done. He's just a little sad boy. And also, He's... I guess he enjoys prostitutes. Oh my, yes. But not really, because what he really wants is death. What he really seeks is death. So he goes and cheats at cards with a big Cajun man who pulls a gun on him, and he just sort of opens up his shirt and goes, yeah, go ahead, do it. And uh, naturally, the man does not kill him, because why would you kill someone over a card game? Exactly. And maybe, who knows, he's unnerved by this uh, individual being all, shoot me, sir, shoot me! Because again, if you weren't aware, Louis cares nothing anymore about anything. Yeah. Yeah. I would feel sad for him, except for all those slaves he owns. <laughs> and the fact that, uh, well, I mean, yeah, the slaves he owns the vast wealth he owns, yep. and the fact that he's like 22, 23, oh no, life's over, like, grow up, boy. Come on. Look, I get being sad. That's fine. Yeah. But, mm. you know, look, my wife died, so therefore self-destructive thing. It's also the 1700s. This was hardly an uncommon occurrence. Exactly. So, like, you knew this was maybe going to happen. But he's just a little emo boy. Who? And But wait a second. Who is this unusually well-dressed man? Why, it's Tom Cruise, of course, and he's a tad peckish. He is, and he's spying on our... Dear Louis from the Upper Isles, very interested apparently in this suicidal emo, <laughs> emo Just individual. Just a little emo boy. Emotional. 
Yes. So what better place to have a snack than in a crowded urban area uh, just flying directly upwards into the rigging of the ship for some reason? Tis the olden days. You could get away with that back then. And then... So the this is where I understood exactly how they were going to treat vampirism in the movie, where he says, do you still want this? And uh, Brad goes, no, no, thank you. Uh, and just gets dropped in the river. So the, the vampirism is sex in this movie is this is how it's going to go down. Yeah, that's just what it is. It's not uh, you're not actually eating people. It's just code for sex. Pretty much. Um, I I mean, Anne Rice is definitely considered to be one of the, yeah, the vampires are sex metaphor. Yes, 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 here. Yeah, totally. It was sort of like that in Bram Stoker, but it was, it was sort of in passing, I guess. I've read the Bram Stoker a little bit and then forgot most of it because it was for a school assignment or something. And they promised me cool vampires. And I was like, cool, great. And half the book was about this guy who was like, let me tell you about my travels. I'm like, no, please don't. It's a trope of the vampire myth. I get it. It can even work sometimes. Personally, though, I always feel a bit... It's more interesting when there's more to it than just that. For me, personally. I think when it's always just it's sex, it's like, oh, right, whatever. I prefer it being a bit more nuanced. And to be honest, at times in this film, they do try that. But yeah, generally... Oh, Lord, do they ever try. Yeah. Bless them. So after getting back home and uh, being sick in bed, Louis pulls a pistol on Lestat. This is the well-dressed Tom Cruise character from before. Uh, and he pulls a pistol on him. It looks like Lestat wants to turn Louis into, dum-dum-dum-dum, a vampire. Indeed he does. Uh, and funnily enough, it doesn't take too much convincing. To yep. Be- <laughs> yep, Louis decides that he'd quite like to be a vampire, please. And uh, then watches his last sunrise, and later, at his wife's grave, Louis becomes a vampire. In a scene which, uh, yep, definitely vampire feeding equals sex. Indeed. Followed then by a lovely, sort of, oh, by the way, painful death time. Oh, yeah, by the way, (laughs) you are going to die in agony, but don't worry about it, it's just your mortal death. Chill out, you're fine. It's all good. But it's almost like in the 90s, you had to couch homoeroticism in violence in order to make it palatable to a general audience. I mean, I think there are still people who would watch this film and be like, oh, they're just, you know, friends. Yeah. That's like, nah. That man nah, is nah, eating nah. that other man. Uh, yeah, in a manner of speaking. In <laughs> a manner of speaking. <laughs> um, but it's all fun. Uh, I feel, as, even at this point, you can tell Tom Cruise is the foil to, if you've got one vampire being all, oh, woe is me, Tom Cruise is here to be all, God, it's great! It's fun! Come on! Don't you love killing people? <laughs> I love killing babies! Don't you love killing babies? It's fine, come on, we're vampires. And, well, ironically, you could even argue that that is something echoing 80s vampire films, which is what this was one of the first being a bit different, because Tom Cruise is totally 80s vampire. 80s vampire films were all about, yeah, vampires. We come in, we kill everyone, we play rock and roll, (laughs) we wear denim jackets. I feel like just the sound, yeah, is the 80s. (laughs) Precisely. And then you have Louis already being the, but wait, no, maybe that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. And maybe even though I'm a vampire, I can think that way. But 
the very next scene, I believe, is actually going back to modern times. Well, kind of. First, he has to have a look around with his vampire eyes at the statue of his wife, which looks back at him with statue eyes. And this is never brought up again. Vampire powers. Am I right? This is a power, I guess, that he can see eyes in the statue. Uh, Cut back to the framing mechanism. Yes, because what Hmm. this film this has been 90 per this film has been 90% narration so far so what it needs is more narration <laughs> well i was going to say at the start like it almost could be renamed monologue with the vampire it is it is uh so also we need to establish vampire rules so uh just from earlier biting someone doesn't turn them you have to feed them vampire blood in order to turn them into a vampire uh, crucifixes, not a thing. Uh, stabbing through the heart, probably not a good day for them, but doesn't kill them. Garlic, nah, not a thing. Uh, coffins, definitely real. That's where they sleep. I love how it's just a list of nope, nope. Oh yeah, no, totally. Wait, what? <laughs> like the coffin's so important. Like, oh okay. They take a minute to be like, okay, we are aware that you might have some preconceived notions about vampires. I made this chart for you. Could you please pay attention to section two B? Exactly. Uh, and of course, Christian Slater, again, so much character. <laughs> so much. This is so much of a character. It's it's uh, When I watch this film the first few times, I'd often miss a lot of the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'd always be going, oh, I bet there was more to who this person was at the start of the film. No. <laughs> no, there's, there's very little to this paper cut out of a man. <laughs> paper cut out. I, I almost like the idea of him literally just being a paper cut out that wobbles while the vampire's talking. I look forward to hearing that at some point in your uh, in your podcast about horror stuff in D anD D or role playing. Of course, just have a guy who's secretly a paper cut out. So, so cut to the next evening fr- at a play where Lestat and Louis decide to double team a woman together. Seriously, this is a, this it absolutely is a sex scene with a bit of fake blood in it. Pretty much. But it's also day one of Vampire for Louis and already Oh, actually wait. We actually do we have to do the killing? I'm not no. going to kill her. Uh-oh. This is not what I'm going to do. That's okay. I killed her for you. Chill out. You're welcome. And Louis already, again, 24 hours in, is thinking, maybe this was a bad idea. Maybe becoming a member of uh, the the cadre of the undead. Maybe that was a bad idea. Maybe selling my soul to Satan. Not uh, not all it's cracked up to be. Especially being someone who believes in all that stuff because it's the 1700s. Um. Yeah, probably <laughs> he believes legitimately this is a real thing. Ah, oh, well, 1700s. There were a lot of people who were, this was the Enlightenment as well. So, like, a wealthy plantation owner of all people would be most likely to be uh, either atheist or a layperson or whatever you have you. So, layperson, is that laic in English? I forget always. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, if you have a lay state, that's what I mean, right? Like, anyway. Remember, 1700s, we were 76 years off of an American Revolution, and we were 82 years off, something like that, from the French Revolution. So, like, we were within one generation of people going, no, sorry, we're not paying taxes to a priest. Thanks. Meanwhile, though, it turns out that there is a way of getting around the killing everyone. You can't have rat wine. Yeah, funny how uh, Louis suddenly cares about people's well-being. So he's like, well, I'm not going to 
kill people. That's beyond the, that's evil. I can't be behaving in an evil and immoral way towards people. Excuse me, slave, take this plate of food away. Exactly. Yeah, it's a bit like, hey, uh, um, and funnily enough, though, turns out those poor workers, <clears throat> quotation Slaves. there, uh, aren't enjoying um, his newfound vampirism. I just, I, I need to point out they have three entire roasts for supper for two people. Three entire roasts. And they just don't eat any of it because they're vampires. So, like, they could have just said, hey, slaves, you're going to eat well tonight. Don't worry about it. You guys have the food. I know, right? He totally could. Instead, he just, like, had them serve him a plate. <sighs> but, yeah, he uh, looks at this house slave's neck sensually for a little bit. Frightened, she runs off. Lestat does kill the rat and give him the wine. Turns out it's like you can you can live on it, but it's more like a survival food. It's not very nice. So Louis is uh, convinced to go to New Orleans for a week uh, to kill and eat people. He agrees to this for some reason. He's at that stage of, this is so wrong, but uh, I don't know, maybe it's not so bad. But also uh... I'm hungry, so like, um, hmm. What if I just ate is... him a little bit? Well, as we then see at the fancy party, uh, Lestat does try. He tries to be like, okay, Louis, how about bad people? Look at that woman over there. I can read her mind, can't you? Just no? read her mind. Oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> just read her mind. You can do that, right? Just read her mind. Ah, uh, well, I guess everybody has uh, has different vampire powers. It's not... It's fine. Take my word for it. She blames a slave for... Actually, no, what was the exact horrible thing she did? It was um, framed a slave she killed, murdering her husband. She and this uh, young fop that she's fucking, uh, they mm. arranged to have her husband killed so that she could get the inheritance and keep fucking this guy who's, like, wearing more makeup than she is, which is saying something. The point being, they're bad people, it's fine. Then they frame a slave. Yeah, mm. they're not. they're not good people. They're bad people. See what if you kill the bad people? Then you're then you're killing bad people. That's what you're doing at that point. And Lestat leads them out with all the sway. Like, look of at this bad person who owns slaves. Let's kill them. Oh, wait, sorry, <laughs> too soon. You you could argue, Louis goes. You already did kill me. Ba bum. Yeah, well, maybe he's not killed enough. Just saying. So yeah, turns out. Uh, they, they hit on the old lady here and this, uh, young consort of hers, and they just sort of walk outside on a little walk. Murder walk. Little murder walk. Murder walk. That's, yep, that's going on a shirt now. If I made shirts, <laughs> that would go on a shirt. Murder walk. However, murder once again, Louis can't do it. And as a last minute, you know what, I'll just eat your dogs instead. Yep, so he eats the dogs, Lestat kills both the fop, and then comes over to kill the screaming woman for fear of, like, maybe if people hear her scream, they'll come and then see that we killed people, and that's not going to be very nice for us. Yes, ironically, the first time he actually does seem a bit like... No, seriously, I know I, I, I just randomly fly, but sometimes, come on, man, you, you can't just kill people in broad daylight. <laughs> come on, come on. Bron, I guess it's nighttime, but yeah, it's figuratively, like, right out in the open. Hmm. So, fortunately, Louis has in him some berserker rage. 
Damn straight, vampire fight time. But yeah, but not for very long. No, Lestat just does the whole, <laughs> you're so silly, and moves on. Yeah, I mean, calling this a fight is being quite generous, I feel. Yeah, it's more Louis Fro's a tantrum, which he does a lot of. <laughs> yeah, he... Oh, we'll get to my opinion of him. Ooh. Louis starts just eating chicken blood instead of human blood around, I guess he got a big old chicken coop. And it's implied that he also starts eating his slaves because here's some dead slaves in the river. Or maybe that's Lestat eating those. Maybe that's what it is. I, I do think that's implied that's Lestat. It's, it's implied that Louis being stubborn and eating all his livestock and yeah. Lestat's coming over and murdering the slaves. Yeah. yeah, so the slaves burn the chicken coop. Uh, because they think that something evil happened, and then did some sort of uh, ritual dance involving... Uh, like, well, I'm going to call it a voodoo doll, because that's what people know it as, but pro tip, that's that's probably more like a European pagan tradition called the poppet, but uh, like voodoo, is, as the West African tradition that grew up in the Caribbean, I don't think they do the doll thing. I think that's a made-up thing. I mean, I feel this is a classic 90s. Here's some stuff happening that we probably didn't research. And it's like, yeah. okay, yeah. Here's a, here's a thing we think about Africa. Mm. That's what African people do, right? What I will the say is, though, they are certainly entitled to be upset because, yeah, two, a vampire, two vampires are screwing with their local area. So I'd be upset, too. Dude, if my if my entire community were beset with a plague that looked like a vampire plague, I would also probably start being like, well, I don't fuck it. Like, sure, sacrifice a chicken. I don't fucking know. Dance around the fire. Okay. I like we've tried everything else. Uh and Lestat is mildly bothered by this, but not too bothered, although he is annoyed at Louis for uh, it, I it's funny. He, he it's like I'm killing people, but you're killing the animals. They really notice that, man. They're really angry about the animals. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, inside, yeah, Lestat is uh, hucking grapes at Louis, who just sort of sits there holding a candle in both hands for some reason. He holds a lot of things with both hands, I've noticed. You notice that? Yes, he does. Uh, so it's been almost 25 minutes, Craig. And we haven't had a proper Tom Cruise freakout in a movie. So I think, I, I'll just pass this by you here, I think it's about time he starts complaining about how much the noise the slaves are making is bothering him. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. And then... Yeah, it turns, out, turns out the slaves know what's up, though, because they seem to suspect, like, there's a vampire here. We, we know shit because... Uh, because uh, voodoo magic? Is that what the film's telling me, Craig? Voodoo magic is magic? I mean, I'd go for more the what you said earlier, that, oh yeah, all these people die from bites and, and strange blood loss, and maybe we have some legends already about demons and devils and all that. Uh, it, it, it's a bit weird, because he then obviously rides out to be like, ah, screw all of you, and they all just look a bit, a bit scared, and you're a bit like, mm -hmm. why don't they just... Oh, he Burn just rides him. straight over the bonfire, <laughs> and the slaves who were dancing around saying, and he sort of yells at Louis, you'll run out of chickens soon, Louis. And I, my first thought is, will he? He seems very wealthy. He's probably eating too many <laughs> chickens tonight. Like he could probably buy more chickens. 
people would be suspicious of his chicken. Wait, maybe hands. he's just real hungry for chickens. <laughs> it's also, I, if you want to be more logical about it, it might be because all the slaves are like, he orders all the chickens, but then they just die. We don't exactly serve them to him. What he really should have mm. done is have them like, I'll just kill the chickens myself and cook them myself. Thank you, slaves. You guys are doing a lot of work for me. Thank you, guys. Listen, I'll do, I, I want to take up the chicken rearing myself. Don't you guys go in there. I'll take care of it. Thank you, though. I appreciate your, you guys take care of you. In fact, take a day off. That would be great. Instead, he just keeps having them do shit for him, I guess. Well, not for much longer, because we nope. have a moment where one of his maids we've seen her before i'm gonna call this the house this is not a maid this is a house slave sir like let's not couch this this is his slave but i'm trying to think of the word for like it seems to be implied like number one slave or something yeah uh, Yeah. i think the word is house slave but this guy's such a piece of shit he's sitting there in his own fucking like oh woe is me i'm a vampire i'll live forever and i get i have to kill people to do it oh woe is me you're fucking killing people buddy Ugh, so, you know, never mind logic. Exactly. Anyway, she tries to appeal to his better sense of goodwill. Again, a little bit like, why? Really? I mean, I, I suppose they're trying to paint a picture from the start of the, like, you know, maybe when he was 20, he was not so bad, but it's a little bit like... <sighs> well, the way she puts it seems to imply, like, you haven't been down to the slave quarter, but there's like some kind of plague happening or something. We don't know what's going on, and you've ne- you haven't even been down there to see what's up. Are you like part of the deal? Is you're supposed to take care of our needs? Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's yeah. You know what's going on? And does he at this point? Well, okay, he tells her leave. She doesn't. Does he yeah. then leave the room himself? Oh nope, no, he does not no. do that. That is the opposite of what he does. Now he goes for a, you know what, I need to feed. Granted, at this point, you can argue the whole point of vampirism is is an addiction, so it's not like he has a choice. But you could still say, well, how about just send all your slaves away, if you're that concerned? Well, Come funny on. you should mention that. After he kills this only one who is actually concerned about him, uh, he then brings her body outside as the slaves have finally had enough of his bullshit. And they storm the house with torches. Good. Fuck this guy. He answers Although, the door. You, you could Sorry, argue he does at least encourage them in a weird like, hey, burn my fucking house down. You're all free. <sighs> well, yeah, he answers the door and then sort of goes, you're all free now. Go away. Fuck off. Go away now. Go anywhere but here. And then he burns his house down. You see, on one hand, you could see that as a good thing. But on the other hand, I think my problem with that is that I, let the slaves go free. I burn your house down later, because now, now when you fuck off, the authorities are going to come by and go, oh, okay, these slaves burnt their master's house down. They'll probably all be enslaved again. That was actually not my note. Uh, what yeah. I figured is like, oh, well, maybe this is the start of a redemption arc. Maybe he'll let them live in the house and work the land and, you know, own their own profit, and he'll leave and do his vampire thing. And if anybody sends him a letter, he'll, like, leave a stack of letters saying, like, nah, everything's fine, guys, don't worry about it. Like, that would be fine. Don't burn down the house, let your slaves have the house. Even, like, granted, they can't technically own property, just let them live there for free. Hmm. Yeah, that right? would like, be that could a nice be, thing to do. Yeah. That'd be an, but that's not Louis, he's not a nice man. Vampire. I mean, he, he just burns the place himself. And he just, like, stay. I guess he intends to die, but it doesn't work, because Lestat is back! And Lestat 
is done, uh, and he he's just done with Louis and his emo bullshit. Oh yeah, as, as he puts it, it's like we had a bloody house, we had servant <laughs> slaves. slaves. Oh, now we're in a barn. <sighs> yeah, cut to Lestat in the cemetery sometime later. Turns out the this is there is a hell and they're in it, says the slave master. Uh, also, here's their apartment on the waterfront of New Orleans, where they're having a foursome with a couple of prostitutes, by which I mean they picked up a snack on the way home. Well, I, I also think, again, time is implied to have passed again. Lestat's basically doing the whole, come on, Louis, now, you don't, now we're on the run, or we're on the land, yeah. if you will. Just get yeah. into the murder, Louis. No, 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 no murder. No goddamn murder. This is one slave owner who is above, above doing evil things. Very true. Craig, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but there are breasts in this shot. Oh my, yes. And also like an alarming around, also like an alarming amount of blood. Yes, I mean... For me, uh, knowing vampire lore, I have to put logic into this scene. I have to Uh think that when they first bite people, it doesn't hurt as much as it should because there's so many times they bite someone, oh, it's great, and then like a few seconds pass, and then they go, oh! Like in this scene, he bites her intimate area. Uh, She seems to love it, and then suddenly she's like, ah, I've been bitten! Hmm. Yeah, she realizes like a minute later. Hmm. You reckon it's like uh, like a leech, like they got that anesthetic in their thing so you don't notice them biting you until finally a little poke and you're like, what the heck? What? Oh, no. That is legit vampire fiction. There are many vampire stories which imply the reason people don't just start screaming is because vampires can make it hurt a little less. Unless, of course, it's a full on horror horror film, in which case vampires are like, oh, yeah, I just rip people's heads off. You know, it depends yeah. on your vampire. <laughs> the more you know. The more you know. That's the one. Uh, Yeah, and having... So Lestat just slowly tortures this poor girl to death. Hmm. And having just watched Lestat doing this without intervening, Louis decides now is the time to be a hero, but not really because he ends up eating her anyway. Yes, it's interesting. I suppose it's supposed to represent that Louis feels he can't do anything to Lestat for some reason. Maybe it's supposed to be like repercussions from that original fight where he just automatically, for some reason, assumes I can never do anything. It's a bit silly because you think you test, you think you test the not being able to do anything. At least once. Or, you know, take any kind of agency. Exactly. Just what would happen if I hit him in the head with a lamp and let the lady out? What would happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he'd be mad at me for a year hmm. and then she'd be alive. Hmm. Uh, I would also like to call out this performance by the actor. Uh, the actor here playing the prostitute is Helen McCrory. She's credited as second whore, and she puts in, I think, one of the best performances in the whole film. It's it's not a bad one, actually. It's I an think, excellent performance. Yeah, because she goes through quite a good range of emotions in that scene. Um, and again, the coffin thing is uh, ghoulish, <sighs> yep. but uh, it's it's uh, it, it's it's. <laughs> The way he sits, I, you can't help but laugh at the line. Um, it's, it's a time. Oh, maybe you're dead. <laughs> Am I dead? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Am I dead? Am I dead? Him? Well, maybe you are. You're in a coffin. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, again, he's just torturing this poor girl to death, including psychologically. And I, it's such an ugly scene. I love it. Exactly. It's well shot. I... It's stylish. It's sexy. It's dangerous. It's it's very bloody and dark and awful. It, it's a very compelling scene, I think is what I mean. Exactly. And I also think this is classic Tom Cruise. Like, I bet some mm. of the humor of the scene, I bet was Tom Cruise being like, I'm just going to say this line just a little silly, just so the tension's a little like, because it does, it makes the scene go from mm-hmm. being completely awful to then you laugh just for a second. It's still awful, but because of his nonchalance about it mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. it he's almost makes a little it... Bit of, he's got a little bit of Joker energy in him in a little way. Exactly, yes. So here's uh, some more of Louis being all emo and not doing anything anyway. Uh, so he leaves and eats wrath for a bit. And uh, also, he goes to where there's a plague and finds a young girl in the plague whose mother got killed by the plague. Louis, don't eat the baby. Yeah, she hugs him. He, he, there's don't to be a pattern. eat the baby, Louis. He ate the baby. Don't eat the baby. He, he ate the baby. He ate the baby. Fuck. All right. I find Lestat- myself agreeing with Lestat here. Louis had all these rules about not eating people, and I guess he decides that eating an orphan is okay because he's kind of hungry. Hey, yeah, Lestat's ha- very happy. He comes in finally, Louis. Brilliant. Ah, there you were of all that nonsense. Finally, you're joining in the fun. Um, yep. I I love the bit where he picks up the corpse and goes, there's life for the old girl yet. <laughs> Yeah, mirroring his uh, Louis's earlier thing on she's still alive. No, we can't kill her. We've eaten. It's fine. Chill out. But like his, the only justification Louis appears ever to need to kill someone is he hungry. He hungry. Get in mouth. Ah, points at his mouth. Again, the, the film definitely could have done it better in the whole Vampire, you know, like, oh, you don't have a choice sometimes. Because that's supposed to be what it is. But it, here, it, he, 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 his composure always seems to be completely, it's not like he's like, no, he's just like, oh, I go for it. <laughs> he's like, no, I really shouldn't. Okay, I will. So he's, turn, he's turning down a chocolate cake and then not really turning down a chocolate cake, right? Someone's offered him dessert and he's like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly, but okay. That's, that's his attitude towards eating people. So Louis goes off in a big huff, but wait, because maybe finally it's implied Louis's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm finally going to do something. And Lestat, being a clever individual, is like, wait, no, no, no. Let's do something. And what does he do, Paul? Well, he goes to a sewer and eats rats for a bit. And then Lestat finds him in the sewer. And then he says... Well, he persuades him that killing and eating people is fine because you know who else does that? God. And really, when you think about it, isn't God really the biggest vampire of all? And isn't the world really one big vampire? Like that Smashing Pumpkins song about being upset at the world? Oh, so, you know, Jesus rose after his death. Just like bread. Just like bread. Vampire. Am I right? Vampire Christianity is a go. Yeah, that's the one. Vampire Jesus. So, you know, what So what we're really saying here, Louis, is killing people's fine, as long as you're hungry. High five? High five. Oh, by the way, though, for now, just in case you were wondering, you didn't kill the girl. And Louis's like, oh, my fucking God. Oh, great. Oh, good. <laughs> but wait, wait, what do you mean I didn't kill? How do you know that, the stat? 
Oh, because I ain't gonna vampirize her. What? I'm a vampirize you. And again, Louis, classic Louis, is all, No, you, no, uh, what the fuck? No, but I, you know, I'm just gonna say no. Oh, no, 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 I couldn't possibly. No, no, I couldn't possibly. I ate earlier. It's, uh, well, you know, just, just a nibble. I think, uh, yeah, just this wafer thin. I'm sure it's fine. Well, at least in, in this, again, he doesn't do anything, but at least he does, when he sees it happening, kind of go, oh, fuck, this is bad. This is so bad. And it is, but it's too late. Lestat, mm-hmm. Vamps, Kirstein Dunst, who, by the way, was nominated for a Golden Globe for this acting role. And I actually generally think she's really good. Golden Globe. Golden Globe yeah. is for, yeah, okay. I'm thinking of the Emmys. No, Golden Globe is a, is a film one. But, I mean, what did you think? Again, I'm considering her age. And oh, I thought she better, was excellent. I think she does a good job. Yeah. She's also one of these performances where I'm like, okay, I'm interested now. Good. But, yeah, uh, Claudia, this is uh, Kirsten Dunst's, Dunst's, oh, God, so many consonants in that name. Kirsten Dunst. Uh, her, she's playing Claudia, and Claudia is a vampire now. And her first words are, as a vampire, are, I want some more. Because, you know, see, she her, tum, her tummy's got the rumblies, the kind that only blood can satisfy. And as we then see in the next two, five minutes, unlike Louis, who was all, oh, I'm not going to do it, but I will anyway. Um, she, she's fine. She's fine with the multiple murders. Oh, yeah. They call in the servant, who is one of the few French speakers in this film, because a few people try. And she's like, I can tell she actually speaks French, probably. Hmm. And uh, they they kill the servant. Yeah, as Claudia feeds, Lestat tells her that she has to stop feeding before the heart stops, because otherwise she could die, because uh, stale blood, I guess, kills these vampires, not any other vamp. This is a rule in this universe. Well, it's not implied, is it really? Kills. He simply, again, the film does an awful lot of, um, maybe to its credit, actually, of not really doing Mm -hmm. the info dump. Like, it's never like, these are the rules of vampires. It just sort of goes like, here's a thing, moving on. Yeah, yeah, see, I missed this the first time around because everything is whispered so quietly that it's hard to make out what anyone is saying half the time. And then Mm -hmm. if I turn it up, the very next thing that happens is an explosion and I have to turn it down again. Exactly, the audio, I mean, can be... As a sound mixer, I think there's some... I, I think there's some suspects bits in here but they're also not necessarily the sound department's problem it's the way the direct the actors have been directed to whisper the whole time Ugh, i would not i would be having a trouble on that set let me tell you but yes we have our kid vampire perhaps yeah. to go off on a tangent just for a second do it vampire kids Paul. vampire kids how do you feel about them they are on what it's an interesting subject on one hand, can they be fine? Of course they can. I think in this film, it just toes the line of fine. But for reasons we've already said in this discussion, sometimes I also find the trope, you need to be very careful with it. And a lot of time, I don't like it because, well, like we said, vampirism, vampirism equals... Yeah. yeah. If vampirism is sex, then what are you saying about this 12-year-old, right? Egg, exactly. And... It can be troublesome. Um, and again, we're not saying, you know, like, Mona the Vampire has that sort of problem. You know, haha, kid vampire, fun. But when you actually think about it, yeah, kid vampires, it, that's not a good thing. 
It's a bad thing. Depends how you treat it. I think there's also a point at which uh, Claudia's killing here is mostly treated almost like a uh, like a baby suckling on a bottle, right? Like that's the way it's presented visually as opposed to the more sort of sexual sensual that the two men do with the prostitute in the first couple of scenes, for example, right? Mm. So in a visual medium, I think a lot of it is how you block it and how you have the actors arranged and how you treat it as a visual thing. So here, I think they do okay. Here, I think they do okay. In a book, I'd be weirdly more concerned because I'm like, oh no, I don't get to tell the audience what they're thinking about this. And if I've set it up as sex before, I have to be real careful to put in an extra paragraph going, she did this in the most non-sexual way possible. See, she's just a tiny psychopath. They're homoerotic people up there. Exactly. And again, it's funnily enough, something in a lot of general vampire fiction that vampire fiction agrees on. Kid vampires, either A, are not there, or B... If they're presented like here, without we'll, we'll mention it when it comes up, but just a general note that, yeah, often even vampires, vampire co rules, yeah, don't make kids vampires. Mm-hmm. Why not? Turns because what, why the fuck would you make six-year-olds into fucking immortals? What? Yep. <laughs> Turns out that they're all a happy vampire family now. Two dads and a daughter. How very progressive, if it weren't framed as evil, unnatural, weird, and bad. <laughs> sadly yes but hey for a few scenes we actually get you know a little bit of levity like oh now she's in their life they start doing fun things like Mm -hmm. putting on dresses for her and having piano it's almost like they're being normal people except for the murder except for the except for the ruthless murder yes uh speaking of the 90s it's about time we check in with mr framing mechanism because what we really need is more telling and less showing I Turns out, this. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I can't recall this one. It must be very quick. What does he say? It was very quick. Hmm. Turns out this child is now also a ruthless murderer. They, did, they didn't say anything. So, it, 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 But isn't she just the cutest thing? Oh, that's, the, again, it's the performance. It's, it's, it's adorable, the murder. Mm-hmm. Especially because it's always, she, she does, starts developing a style for it. It's yeah. not just goes out and kills someone. It's like, I'll pretend to be a little girl. Hello, my little girl. Ha ha, I got you. Or like, I love the doll, the, the a scene the that happens seamstress. in the doll shop. Um, oh, the doll shop is good. Yeah, we'll, we'll go through them now, I think. Yeah. Uh, isn't she, she's just cute and she has her own coffin to sleep in, but she still wants to snuggle with daddy. And that's, that's wonderful and cute and sweet. And I love that. And look, she's learned to hunt her own food like this fancy large lady here. And she's learning to play the piano, as you say. Uh, from this man who sits, who hits her hands with a stick, because that's the way they used to teach. And uh, she's super resourceful. Look, see, she found a way to both have a snack and get the doll she wanted. Yes, I just love the guy be like, you can't afford that doll. Smile. Very expensive. Walks out with the doll. <laughs> Walks out with the doll. Nothing else happens other than she sort of smiles and you see her teeth a little and he goes, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> but... Wait. Time yeah, so passes. Time passes. Lestat turns her into a piano prodigy as a way to work his way into high society where they then eat entire families whose funerals coincide because they needed a shot of multiple funerals happening at once, question mark? <laughs> I just love the connotation. I just love the way that it's shot with like, the happy, like, oh, your daughter's so lovely. Yes, I know. And then the next scene, <laughs> oh, they're all dead. 
And it's time for more telling us about what's happening. You know that line about how they were all American now and it's an age of steamships? Maybe just show us some steamships and a few American flags somewhere. Exactly. But uh, I guess again, you get the idea. Time's passing, and you also start realizing the film can't isn't going to do every single year something interesting happens. I get you. It still feels like I'm listening to an audiobook rather than watching a film. That's reasonable enough. Again, I I think it's also the narration by Louis is always mm. so. <laughs> and so time moved on and once so again i was there moved on and then i read out this script that i'm being paid by the minute for reading <laughs> and just... then something exciting happened and you could just imagine when he does that the director goes no no Brad Pitt, no no no, 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 no. no back to the droning stop acting i told oh, you to sorry. read the script don't act don't act i know you but... can don't. But sir, I, I I thought I should act like no. Vampires don't. No, Tom Cruise gets to act. Tom Cruise. You. Tom gets. Why does Tom get to act and I don't, Mister Director? Because emotions. That's why, Brad. That's why. I. Okay. Fine. I'm glad you're paying me for this. How many hours do I have to be in makeup? Another ten. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we are in the age of steam, and just after the Louisiana Purchase, and uh, both Lestat and Louis dislike democracy. So uh, Lestat is definitely like a monarchist, like a right wing in the original sense of it. So, uh, Craig, I'm not sure you've noticed, but there are boobs in this shot. (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, you know, uh, when a woman takes a shower in the middle of a house, in the middle of a street uh, house street yep. window i don't know just keeps the door open when she's bathing standing but, up not in uh-oh. her shower i guess she's got a basin below her we can't see her in the basin but i guess she must be because otherwise how do you take a bath or maybe she's not she's just sort of like rubbing ointment on herself maybe i don't know what she's doing but turns out that claudia would quite like to grow up just to be just like that beautiful naked woman bathing there Yes, well, again, as I said earlier, Vampire Kid problem number two, when Vampire Kid suddenly goes, wait, hang on a minute. I, How old am I again? Am I 40 now? Why yeah. am I still seven? Yeah, it turns out Claudia is in like her 40s now because they say that 30 years have passed and she started as like 12. Mm. So you'd think that at some point in the last three decades, she might have wondered why she wasn't growing any breasts. But again, you can, it's sort of uh, implied it's one of those dollhouse type scenes where it's like, especially someone like Lestat is very good at telling people what to do. I get you, but like 30 years, right? She's older than either of us. Let's put it that way, right? This character is older than either of us and seems not to understand how puberty works. It's in the script! Yep, that's the main, that's the reason why she doesn't understand. Yeah, it turns out it's her birthday today, I guess. Or her death day? Turn day? <laughs> Whatever it is, Lestat gives her a doll. <clears throat> and now that she's having her revelation, she's like, fuck you, fuck your dolls. Yeah, don't don't dress me like a doll. You, you put my hair like this, you dress me like a doll, I'm done with you. So uh, she cuts her hair off, and that goes about as well as you'd expect. Because, again, vampire rule number 27, uh... 
yeah, you stay as you are when you're dead again. Actually, a classic trope, but hasn't really been addressed here. But now you know. Yep, now it's been addressed. We are all much more comfortable knowing the rules now. Uh, turns <laughs> out that that woman from before who was in the bathhouse or whatever that was, or taking a bath at least, uh, she's dead and just rotting in the bed here. Yes, well, again, even though uh, dear Claudia is having this moment of maybe Lestat's a bastard, she herself doesn't seem self-judgmental. She's still quite happy with the I just murder people. Uh-huh. Then they uh, whisper incoherently for a bit, except Claudia, who shouts incoherently. And basically, it's implied that she is very unhappy. And uh, and then and she demands Louis explain. Tell me more. Tell me all the things. Tell me more. Louis, tell me more. Like that song in Greece, whose name I forget. And again, it seems to have been implied that our dear vampire dads have not actually told her much about, you know her previous life. So Louis goes, okay, fine, I'll take you back to where we... I... I killed you. I'll take I... you back. You remember that time I killed you? <laughs> yeah. Good times. In his defense, he doesn't at least... He, he, he This is another one of his woe is me's. Like, oh, I'm yeah. so sorry I killed you. I'm the worst. I'm so bad. And it's like he still did it. <laughs> I'm getting sort of almost child soldier themes for her. You know what I mean? Like, she's been turned into this killer monster against her will from a young age, having been a, a poor orphan. And the these two uh, older, like, in-authority men decided to turn her into what she is. Like, it, it, I'm not off base by that, am I? I'm getting sort of that kind of theme. I definitely could get that. It, it, it's, again, it's the film is all about the tragedy of immortality, and this is a tragedy, even though, um, is it, I'm trying to think if right away we have the scene of Lestat basically saying, like, oh, well, you know, did you want a dead? Well, there you go, then, you know, like, or maybe he said that earlier in the film, like, well, mm -hmm. it was this, or being dead, which is better, Louis. I, you can argue I saved her life. Yeah. Quotation marks. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, she learns the, that she was turned by Lestat but killed by Louis, and she runs off, and Louis continues his emo bullshit. As uh, he gets home, Claudia persuades him that he that they should leave Lestat. Yes, basically... You know sure, go ahead. It, oh, I was going to say, basically, she goes for the whole, like, you know what, I am angry at you as well, but I kind of like you being emo, at least you're emo, Um I shouldn't keep saying evil, actually. At least, I, I like you being emotional. At least you're emotional about things. Lestat, though, come on. I love you, Louis. Let's just kill him, and then we'll be happy together. You know what's great is I absolutely buy her as a 40-year-old woman in this scene. So, good job, 12-year-old Kirsten Dunst. I, again, fully agree. Like, she really does, like, already there's, a, like, the first scenes where she was he-he-he, and now suddenly there is this gravitas to her plotting her actually thinking things through mm. and actually i will also give uh i'll also say that has to be partly the way that the other characters respond to her because again 40 year old woman like they know this is a 40 year old woman who is not like a child really even though she looks like one so if a child behaves like a grown-up and everyone goes okay dear very nice then that you still get this person as a child trying to behave like a grown-up if they behave like a grown-up and everyone goes yeah, you know, you got a point there, then it, it feels different. And I think hmm. the direction here particularly is also excellent. Just so good. It's so good. 
Good. Again, I'm glad at this point that you are enjoying it because. Oh, I'm I not enjoying I, I, it. I just think this scene is good. <laughs> it's so slow. It is. Um, Everything is so slow and whispered, so quiet. I think it's the problem with the film trying to be an adaptation of a book that quite clearly from what I, again, from what I know, it's actually a pretty good adaptation in terms of everything that happens, happens. But sometimes, of course, that's not always a good thing. And I think case, that's I an think argument for don't make your adaptation too close if it means that you have to make it a bad movie. Or in this case, I think it feels like, again, reading an audio, uh, listening to an audiobook. Right. Well, again, it's monologue of the vampire. The story is. is supposed to be here is him telling you the story, which in a way means it is just a list of events. <laughs> Cut to a scene where Lestat is definitely not playing piano. Nonsense, Paul. You can see him at a piano and there's piano music playing. What are you talking about? What's diegesis? Anyway, uh, Claudia is here to make peace with Lestat even though he's a liar. Uh, so she's brought him a present. And it's... Again, I like the, uh, the framing of this scene, these poor two little twins, and then when she lies next to them, and it's like, look, see? Fun! Yeah. So she, she knocked them out with brandy, she claims, and Lestat is... You know, he's hungry. And that's all the excuse he needs. To, to have himself a little snack, so he snacks out. And they forgive but, each other. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So, suddenly Lestat's like, oh, huh, you, you gave them oh, like absinthe or something. Again, implying, I guess, that vampires can taste alcohol in the blood. Another trope, another trope. I guess so. so. I mean, if there's, if you can taste alcohol in the blood, then that's a lot of blood alcohol, and I don't think it was just a thimbleful, as she claims. Fortunately, she now says, no, it wasn't alcohol, actually, it was laudanum. Uh, so this kills them, unfortunately, but it does keep the blood warm. So po so now a poisoned to death, uh, re-death, re uh, un-re-non-death? Is that what happens to Lestat? He's killed, but, not, Again, but he's not dead. Uh, well, well, we'll get to that in a minute, won't we? For the moment, it's he seems to be dying, but he seems to still be a bit like, now hang on, fuck, get me to my coffin, whatever. Yep. Yep. But then oh, she's like, that's a, a great line actually from her. I love the line, which again, the 40 year old's like, see you in fucking hell. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What was the actual line? I didn't write that down, but I it is like it a poem. Is... Yeah, it's something like death, go and. It's something along the lines of go to hell, but a lot more. Oh, it is go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, I'll, well, I, I should have written it down. It was fun. But she she's reciting stuff from the, probably the Divine Comedy, I guess, or Shakespeare. Mm. I don't fucking know. She knows what Shakespeare is, but not what puberty is. So I don't understand this character. Anyway, uh, the stat is down. Louis, yeah. once again, is That's all... a lot of blood. Also, OMG. super strange, but really impressive anim animatronic puppet they use here. Oh, for the how he looks as he's dying. Yeah, yeah, that's an animatronic. Hmm. At some point, somebody created an animatronic Tom Cruise. Well, it's also, I'm trying to think it might be the first time we've actually seen any proper special effects. Beyond a little bit of eye moving and a bit of flying. You know, like, I think an actual... A lot of makeup. Like, yeah. A lot yeah. of effects with the makeup. Hmm. But in terms of 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I think uh, there's been some blood effects. I think I would classify those as practical effects because yeah. you're you're creating the illusion of something. But outside of the obvious blood, yeah, I think you might be right. So, so yeah, they decided the to bury him in the swamp. With the crocodiles. Alligators. Which, you know... Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Alligators. Yeah, there's no crocodiles. And Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Give me my, my silly movie cliches, Paul. No, you're right. It's an alligator swamp. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they bury him there, I guess, because again, Louis a bit like, wait, I don't know how you kill a vampire. Does this work? I guess. I guess this works. Uh, time to check in with 90s Louis. He tells us that they intended to move to Europe, uh, but while they're still in Louisiana... Uh, they they read every book that they can find, trying to find the original vampire, I guess, or a, other vampires somewhere, or society of yeah. vampires. I think it's implied Louis doesn't care that as much, but yeah. I think it's more that Claudia is like, no, come on, there has to be more to all this. And she's also, at this point, it's implied she's a bit of a scholar, mm-hmm. she's actually learning stuff. Again, I, I quite like that co- concept. Mm-hmm. So as they free a few caged birds, the the carriage arrives to take them to the ship. That's a bit. <sighs> let's let's free these two caged birds to symbolize the fact that we're going to be free now. <sighs> were you not? Were you not before? Yeah. Look at all your money and shit. You do whatever the fuck you want all the time. You burn down your plantation and still somehow have this level of wealth. But Paul, our immortal souls. <sighs> so, I mean, it's actually Lestat who jumps Louis out the door. Turns out Lestat is alive. I'm shocked. Uh, now, it looks like he spent a year in a swamp. Probably because of that year he spent in a swamp. <clears throat> uh, well, again, um, if you're a vampire aficionado, you'd be like, hang on a minute. Like they sl- like does slitting vampires' throats doesn't normally do the trick, and then you just throw him in a swamp, and yeah, the stat is like, yeah, fucking hell, Al- I I I ate alligator, I ate snake, I'm fine. Anyway, time to die. Yep, turns out eating old blood doesn't kill vampires after all. Fortunately, I guess fire does because they burn him now, and also the house, and also and the less- also the whole neighborhood, and also the rest of New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> I just love. I love how silly that is, but it makes for a great looking sea. Like, oh no, a house fire. Uh, oh, shit. The whole, and then as they're leaving. Oh, like, shit. Well, we just burnt all. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> Whoopsie. Well, now we're in the wrong. <laughs> uh, so Louis and Wait. Cla- Louis, are we the bad guys, Louis? Are yes. we the bad guys? Yes, you are. I- I'm shocked you even need to ask this, Claudia. So Louis and Claudia get back to the ship to Europe. And turns out that the ship didn't have any rats, but for some strange reason, there was a disease going around. Some sort of neck-biting disease that kept killing people on board. I feel this is a a bit too obvious a reference. I might be wrong, actually, but to me, I felt a reference to Dracula. Like, oh yeah, remember when Dracula was on a boat and fed all the people on the boat? You remember that time when that guy in A Better Story did something that we're referencing? Remember that? Don't. I remember. Don't remember that. This is new and exciting and we're doing an original thing. Don't remember that. Please. But hey, they do some very nice watercolors. Are those watercolors? I they were They're like, probably not watercolors. They're, like They're probably charcoal uh, what would or you something. actually call them. Yeah, charcoal. Yeah. She's very good black. at drawing. 
So introduced a couple of times. She draws for fun and uh, she gets mm. better. And here's uh, she's pretty good. But yeah, time to go to Paris where they dance in ballrooms for a while with money they have for some reason. Turns out that uh, there's at least a few more vampires in Paris because here's another vampire and this one's a mime doing mirror play comedy and doing like a weird Fred Astaire style dance on the ceiling. I always love these scenes. Really? Because... uh. No, no, no. As in the trope of jesters who then the character finds really funny until they knock off a hat or make a joke at them. And they always go, oh, oh, you're a buffoon. You're a jester. I hate you. Like every time. This is a reference to like some of the original Lumière, uh, (laughs) the Lumière Brothers films. And like, uh, hey, 90s kids, we're down with the kids. You remember that movie that was made in 1923? You remember? Because we remember. Because you might have seen it in Scooby-Doo because they did it as well as what we did. We understand young people. Oh, so you're forgetting the scene just before this, where, before Paris, they went everywhere, and there were no vampires anywhere, and then oh, cut, right, to, yeah. uh, cut to, um, you know, Christian Slater. Well, not even in Transylvania. No. <laughs> nope, we went to Romania. Turns out, no, there's no vampires there. Who would have thought? In the adaptation of the book, I read apparently... That is a little different. They do find vampires in Transylvania, but apparently the vampires in Transylvania are all kind of like zombie vampires. Oh. Like, just Bleh. So, like... Just just like that. Slay. Yeah. Bleh. Bleh. Or bleh. I hate those. I, you see, you say you love these scenes where somebody gestures their way around and they knock off a hat. I hate them because I'm like, okay, I I get it. I get it. But also, like, <laughs> this guy just silently goes... Look, another vampire. Time to dance. What? That's not a way to react to anything, ever. You could say, not well, mind you, but you could say it's an intimidation tactic. Like, it's almost the guy being like, ah, another vampire. Don't fuck with me because I can be a clown, but then murder you in five seconds. Which is true. Craig, if you met somebody and you extended your hand to shake their hand and instead they did a little jig... I would think them charming and whimsical. I mean, th- that's fair, but also I imagine you'd be looking at your hand going, so I get, are you, but you're not gonna, all right, what? That's not intimidating. Even your interpretation of charming and whimsical is not intimidating. And nor well, is this. This is just, hey, look at film, me. You agree with Louis because Louis then goes, fuck off, buffoon. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly. Another guy comes out, and it's Antonio Banderas. Being Antonio Banderas, pretty much. Yeah, he he's just uh, sideways, looking sideways, with a cane. And uh, his name is Armand. And he oh. invites Louis to his playhouse for some reason. Cut to later what? at the playhouse, which has a super lovely organ. Uh, later, turns out this is an old church. It's kind of a nice church. And, uh, uh Craig... They're going to do a play within a film, eh? Yes, they Fuck. are. Fuck. And, uh... I hate hey, hey. this. I hate this Claudia... kind of thing with a passion. Claudia agrees with you. Oh, how avant-garde, she says sarcastically. <laughs> Does she, is she sarcastic or is she sort of going, all right, let's see what they got. I'm no, interested. No, I think, I think she's, it's implied she hates everything. Like, the way that scene ends, she's immediately like, nope. No, 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 don't like these vampires. Mm-hmm. And why would you? No, they are doing you? the whole thing of, 
Oh, we murder people on stage. Yep. Um, they publicly eat people on stage for these shows, like this woman here, who's visibly terrified, gets stripped naked mm. and eaten in front of a cheering crowd. Craig, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but there are breasts on the screen. <laughs> this shot. Are there yeah. breasts in this shot, Paul? Yeah, there are oh. breasts in this shot. I don't know if you've uh, if you've noticed them. But My, uh, uh, what I wanted to see was the additional scene where the people who just saw the show comment on the play afterwards. Uh, I say, old man, I, I really love the plot development of the person getting murdered. Oh, yes, that was very interesting, wasn't it? And then about the person getting murdered. Oh, very. Yeah, I'd give it five out of five. And then one guy being like, that play made no sense. Am I the only one who thought that play made no sense? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the way, like, the, the not the Yelp reviews, the fucking... Like the YouTube reviews the next day, the Twitter reviews the next day would probably be. I sometimes wish we had something like an 18th century Twitter just to look back <laughs> on and be like, what the fuck were people saying? Yeah, I know, right? Because even here, it's interesting that some of the audience are shown to be a bit like, oh, I say, jolly, oh, 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 scandalous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then. Yeah, Again. especially this one lady who stands up and yells out how much she wants them in the middle of the performance. Oh, Monsieur Armand. Uh, well, again, I think this is what we call trying to give that dancing vampire a character, but we only have five minutes in this yeah. film. Of, um, we don't have time. So uh, so I guess the, the play ends with just they eat someone and they close the curtain. A bit of a dark ending for what was until now a comedy, but okay. I mean, down in oh, yes. down in the basement now, uh, best described as dank. Uh, Armand shows Louis and Claudia inside, where they're introduced to the rest of the vampire cast. And here it is. Oh hi, love, love your performance. Yes. Uh, really, you know that was uh, super good. Where do I meet the uh, the the lady you ate? Is she around? Her performance was stellar. I'd like to give her some flowers. Oh, I know, right? Her performance was to die for. Yeah, really. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a way to meet her or... Um... Oh, I think her performance was a one of a kind. Oh, I <laughs> totally agree. I would Listen, I work for a newspaper. Uh, I write some op-eds for them sometimes, movie reviews, you know, play reviews, that sort of thing. I'd love to interview her. Like, the rest of you were also great, but hers tonight, wow, she was just on fire. She'd love to meet you, but, you know, she's dead tired. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. How about tomorrow morning? Can we meet tomorrow morning? Is her agent here or uh, management of some kind? Or, like, how, how do Look, I do buddy, this? Buddy, 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 I was trying to be poetic. She's dead. We ate her. So tomorrow afternoon or? Sure, sure. Tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, great. Perfect. I'll just. Evening. Uh... Sorry, evening. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, uh, daytime not good for you? No, no, I have a terrible rash. Ah, yeah. That comes out only in the sun. Got it, got it. So uh, tomorrow evening, uh, why don't I come by after the show? I assume we're going to be seeing the same show, right? <laughs> oh, of course, as we are then... Um, well, no, well, we'll get to that bit in a minute. But yes, there you go. It is <laughs> revealed that um, Ormond here and has his... um scene. Thank you, Craig. That was good fun. <laughs> I was enjoying it. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, Armand is revealed so, yeah. to be the de facto leader quotation marks he's not oh, the leader go. if there were a leader though it would probably be him oh yeah are you the leader mm, well, not, not kind of yes no whenever I, I feel like it well we don't exactly vote for it you see uh we have this uh we have this system that we vote every once in a while then you have to go through a quorum 
I'm 400 years old, goddammit, bitch. Yeah, so I haven't got the quorum, but I do have... So, like, provisionally for the next couple of months, yes. But, uh, listen, speaking of which, I wonder if you could put up these flyers. So, Paul, what does this advanced vampire playgroup do? Uh, apparently hang around, putting on their plays, and then being all... And then they just sit out in the crypt. silently in the crypt. And, uh... Okay, so ugh, I didn't. Mm, I hate this part. Uh, the Armand offers Louis uh, a young boy to snack on. This is where they cross that line, where clearly it's like, okay, this is about like vampirism is about sex, and here you're just offering this, like, here's a Hollywood guy offering another Hollywood guy a young boy to snack yeah. on. It's dark. Although, ironically, the one funny thing about it is, as dark as it is, is the boy is still alive. Oh, the boy is still alive. That's, that's the point ah, of the boy. You can't actually, you you know, the whole, like, Lestat and the whole, oh, killing, like, no, no, no. It's You actually can feed off people and they'd be fine. Yep, so you can eat from people and not actually kill mm. them. So you can have a mm. little snack. Hmm. So, I mean, that should solve things, right? Because you could just, like, pay people for blood donations yeah but you know uh i hungry yeah he hungry <laughs> so yeah cut to later when louis questions armand about who the first vampire is and armand wonders if because louis comprehends goodness doesn't make killing people good i mean doesn't it you understand what good know. is so during these scenes, I just want to see more Armand because already I'm more interested in him and Antonio Banderas. Like he, he, when as whereas a Louis is emo emotional, whereas Louis is emotional and uh, Armand is like, oh yeah, I oh, am yeah, Armand. Antonio Banderas, please tell me more. Who are you? I want to know more about your character. Could the film be about you now? But sadly, no. Could the film have been about you from the start, please? Because you seem like a much more interesting person. And the politics of being a vampire having to hang out in Paris is also very interesting. But, and, you know... And, and, and why don't we even do a film about all these people hanging out in the crypt? Like, that, that, that could be really interesting. Interesting vampire... No, we don't have time for that. Nope, nope, no time for that. We have to make some plot happen now. So, uh, what was, what was the plot again? Uh, well, in this case, it's that Armand might know shit, but uh, he's not quite willing to tell him because, oh, uh, you know, he's kind of making comments about Claudia. Is he? Because I couldn't tell through all the whispering. <laughs> you turn the volume up to 100. But he, he implies, um, actually, does he imply in this scene? Well, uh, from what I can tell, well, what... Armand is the oldest vampire, and Claudia wants to leave, and they do, but the conversation is about, like, philosophy, effectively, and he's like, we're evil. Hmm. No, we're not. You understand what good is, right? So that means you're not evil. It means you understand good, so therefore you must be good. QED. Uh, and... Yeah, and then Claudia's like, all right, well, no thanks. Uh, but then Louis's like, well, hang on, hang on. I mean, I'd like to know stuff. Can we make, maybe come back again? And Claudia just and looks at him and goes, no, we're leaving, Louis. The, these guys kill people on stage. At least when I do it, it's in the privacy of my own home. Barbarians, I swear. And one very important thing mm -hmm. as they're leaving, 
we get a little bit of internal monologue of I felt bad. I started thinking Lestat maybe wasn't so bad. <laughs> and then the guy who can read minds to the side there is like, what? did you say Lestat? Did you say you killed a guy called Lestat? Because we heard of him and I think he's a vampire and that makes you a vampire murderer and we don't like vampire mur- That's That's against the rules of vampires. It- in fact, it's the only rule. It's literally, literally the only rule. You can murder the babies, you can kill everyone, you can own the slaves, but kill another vampire man, and that's the one thing. I mean, we, there's we, like yeah. one more rule, but we're not going to tell it to you yet. We're going to tell it to you when it's pl- plot appropriate for you to know that, and when it creates uh, no dramatic tension at all. Because if we were to tell you now, oh boy, would that be more interesting than the way we do it later? <laughs> anyway, you have a good night. Later, guys. <laughs> God, fuck this whole thing. <laughs> Cut to their hotel room, I guess. Uh, and Claudia is also some kind of mind reader, soul reader, I guess. And turns out Armand wants to have Louis as a companion. Don't buddy. need to be able to read minds to tell that. Uh, he wants him as a buddy. You yeah, know, a little yeah, travel buddy, sure. a little play buddy. I don't. Play- Chess. I don't think that's um I don't think that's what he means, Craig. Oh. I think he uh I think he wants to fuck him. Oh. In the oh. in the butt. Oh. I think he wants to do things to his butt. <laughs> Claudia obviously not too happy about this. She believes and I fair enough, I'd believe it too that yeah, I kind of think you're just gonna hang out with your new vampire stage friends and just be like goodbye, ten year old vampire. That's what I think is going to happen, Louis. Yeah, she's uh, upset by this because we cut back to the playhouse where they're putting on a play again. And backstage, Louis speaks to Armand again. Turns out, Claudia is in danger. It is forbidden to make a vampire that young. And all of the vampires here know that they both killed Lestat. And that, of course, means that these two have to die. Which, again point to the film being like yeah I, 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 at least these immoral bastards have that one like yeah making kid vampires come uh-huh. on man. come on really mm-hmm. this is what happens what's happening with Claudia is what happens that's not cool <laughs> I mean you want people to die Jesus <laughs> then like a whole scene where Armand needs Louis to keep him in touch with the new age uh, essentially this is granddad asking his son to get him onto TikTok with his grandkids Exactly, because all his vampires suck. Which, fair enough, they seem to really suck. Like, you'd think at one point, like, do they ever put on other plays other than Death! Death! Tonight's play! Death! And they put so much effort into the state production. It's pretty good. I will say, the, the, the little, as much as I hate stage play inside of a film, this is pretty well, d- like, if I were seeing a play and it had stuff like this, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty fun. I like this. Oh, exactly. The one with the world, the, the, the sort of war scenario with mm-hmm. the little like snow falling and explosions. Oh, yeah. I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier, there's that guy in the first play who turns into an angel and gets wired up and down into like this well. That's pretty good. Again, you, you, but you just wonder, do they ever put on like, hey, uh, De- the guy who plays deaf, do you want to play someone else tonight? No, I shall play deaf again tonight. That is my role. <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, you can always take a day off. We have an understudy. It's okay to take a day off here and there. No, tonight I will be deaf. I shall say the lines, deaf. Yep. Deaf comes, I, okay. I have a new way of saying deaf comes for you tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> how do you, how do you say it this time? Tonight I shall say deaf. 
comes when you least expect him. How did you say it last time? Last time I said death comes when you least are thinking about it. I see what you're doing, and I'm okay with it. But also, we do need to get some new talent through the company a little bit. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't hate it if you would occasionally let the understudy do something. The understudy has... The understudy! <laughs> yeah. So anyway, cut to the apartment where Claudia get. There's a bunch of intercutting here. I, I hesitate even to call it intercutting because each intercut is like several minutes long. Mm. And cut to their apartment where Claudia needs Louis to turn this woman for her because Claudia is too weak to turn the woman herself because she is only a tiny baby person. And... It's almost their goodbye scene where she's like, you know what, Louis, you're going to fuck off and leave me. At least give me a new friend and then I can go and be with my friend and you can go with your friend. And to be honest, I'm thinking, you know what, Louis, if you just get on with it mm -hmm. and they quickly get them out of there, this would all be fine. Yep, that's but what she's he has to moan. Of. He has to moan. Yeah, so Claudia is concerned about being left alone because mm -hmm. she's concerned that Louis will leave her for Armand. And again... I am, like, increasingly uncomfortable again with the child vampire thing, because here it's like, if she weren't saying father, she's gone up to him and been like, but I love you. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Don't do that. But again, that's that's the, the reason it can be a troublesome trope, uh, because it, it, it like logically it's like, oh, yeah, fair enough from her point of view. She probably fucking does. And that's again, that's why it's fucked up. Being yeah, a yeah. vampire. That's so awful. Imagine being 50 years old and you actually like someone mm -hmm. and they'd be like, no, sorry, I, you're 10 years old. It's like, no, I'm fucking not. I'm not. Ah! That's why in the vampire trope, that is. This actually is horror. This is good horror, yeah. because it is. This is a horrifying concept. Yeah. But you need to be careful, as you said, to not make it either humorous or okay. It's not okay. It's actually awful. That's why it's horrifying. And in yeah. this case, it is awful. It's the final nail in the coffin of, like, you should never have done this to this poor little girl. Nail in the it, coffin. You should have let her die. Nail in the coffin, you sly dog. <laughs> if you've been trying to work that in this whole time. <laughs> never. Uh, so, admittedly, See. Louis finally has one moment of going, you know what, you're right. I yeah. have fucked you over repeatedly. I will do this for you. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this lady, Madeleine, uh, meanwhile, she also gets a say in this because she had a daughter who died and now she wants a daughter who can't die. So, yeah. Louis is finally persuaded as for the first time he turns someone to a vampire. And he does it. And then they whisper a bit more about what happens next. And honestly, I keep complaining because I have no idea what they're saying. Except that then, like, I assume some Louis emo bullshit. And then this 12-year-old child kisses a grown man on the lips. Oh, my. Uh, well, but moving on. Uh, uh, that makes me and, very and Louis does more. But they don't oh, yes. they don't uh, dwell on it because here's a room full of vampires to extract justice on Claudia and Louis for the crime of killing a vampire, I guess. And being a kid vampire. Also being a kid vampire. That's her fault. Uh, they also <laughs> make yeah. uh, they also take Madeleine for the crime of. Uh, what did she do again? They hungy. They hungy. 
Uh, so they decide to kill Claudia and Madeleine immediately and lock Louis in a coffin. Uh, in another room, Armand uh, hears all this go down and does nothing to stop it. But, I mean, we know why, because he wants it to happen. Yeah. He, he'll pretend later he doesn't. He totally is fine with this. He's like, brilliant, get rid of the girl. I'll save Louis later in a few seconds, and he'll love me now. <laughs> Only kill the ones who aren't cute. No, no, I mean, keep the guy al- What's wrong with you? No, you know you know what I'm about. <laughs> you know what I'm about. Little girl, and the, and the, they can go to hell, but... Um... The guy's cute, though, so uh, just, just lock him in a box. He gets separate treatment. So, and uh, <laughs> Claudia and her dear friend meet the sun, which again, actually, as a scene, a vampire trope scene, that's a classic, uh-huh. classic, like put the vampires in the place with the sun that will come. Yeah. So if only they had some sort of long flowing dress that they could use to shield them from the sun. You know what? I was actually, when I watched it again, just a few days ago, listeners, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that I thought, wait, she could have just. Hidden under her skirt. I think she'd still die. The adult probably would still die, but I think the kid might be okay. Maybe. Maybe. They got, like, Maybe. you could probably, there's a lot of fabric there. You could probably both sort of hunch out, you know, undress, put the thing over, and then just hunker in there. Spoilers, they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't do that. They decide instead that they should, uh, they should die in in some ashes uh, so sometime later armand pulls louis from his coffin freeing him just in the nick of time to see both claudia and madeleine dead oops uh and i i love the reactions from uh, i love the reaction from mr dancing man here oh, just yeah. that shrug of like uh-huh. haha sucks to be you yeah sorry buddy <laughs> Hey, look, uh, there's... Would you like me to do a little dancey trick again? Also, did they just... Uh, so they killed two of them and then locked up Louis, and now Louis op- out of the thing, and they're not trying to lock him back up. So here's where we start having to do a lot of assuming, from what we I what assume, we assume yeah. that Armand is hungry, but in a slightly different way to normal. Yes, and he, he is the leader... He totally let them do what happened, and he kind of, it's almost like, I can imagine to see where he went, like, you know what, just leave the cute one, Yeah, and it's fine. Yeah, that's... Kill the other two. And they're like, okay, boss. That's what happens. Hmm. So they seem to have no issue with him now, so I guess he doesn't get a, se- a death sentence anymore. So Louis decides to burn the church to the ground, and also the basement to the basement, killing all of the vampires. And he cuts several of them apart with the scythe that they use in the play. Didn't realize that was a real scythe. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love how in this scene, Louis gets a point. After a whole film of never do anything, Mm. this time, I get the oil in. I get a weapon. I just start... Killing vampires left and right. I'm actually quite good at it, apparently. Uh, as turns out, he's quite adept at fighting and killing, despite the fact that we've never seen him do either of those things. Um, well, especially uh, our final scene of Mr. Dancing Man, who's all like, hell yeah, I'm going to cool- pull off some cool vampire shit. Oh, Scythe. Oh, man, I'm going to do... You didn't even let me do my dance moves. No, like, how... It's like playing a fighting game with a little brother who's like, no, but I don't, but how do you do that? No, what's, what's the move? 
quarter circle forward. <laughs> just quarter circle punch. And it turns out all along, uh, if you want to kill a vampire, just cut them in two of a side. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way to do it. Just, um, just I also, conventional weapon. I also weaponry. love how all the other vampires, you know, never fought. Hey, do you think if like someone came down here and just set the whole place on fire, like should we all be in the same room? Like, is that should we? Maybe that's a safe thing to do. Yeah, it'll be fine. Totally no, fine. you don't understand. There's safety in numbers. Exactly. It's not like they could burn all our coffins at the same time. It's not like they could set some kind of fire. In the underground chamber where apparently there's no way out, really. Who would would even do that? And uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, of course, Armand has let this all happen. But you still think, really? Did not one of them go like, hey, should we be worried about, you know, that guy? We we killed his, Uh. like, best companion uh fucked with him um uh, should we be worried should not nah, be fine surely he's not going to t- to exact some sort of bloody revenge is he no hey dude there's one of him and like 30 of us what could he do i mean we do just keep that scythe out there in the open have you considered that maybe that's not that's not real responsible scythe ownership i mean we we're vampires. We're immune to size, yeah. right? Well, I mean, they we? it's just that they sell locks for those things. I think you should I think you should maybe keep it in a safe or something. You know what? I take what you're saying into account. Let's sleep on it. Let's all go to bed, have a sleep in the morning. We'll think about well, it. Well, it's not like it's not like the place is open anyway. But like promise me in the morning we'll first thing in the morning we're going to go and buy ourselves uh, a way to lock up that scythe to make sure that uh, we're responsible scythe owners and no one uh, could use our weapons to do any sort of nefarious thing uh, other than us. Not only will we do that, we'll move the coffins in such a way that, you know, we've got plenty of space here. Maybe we can sleep in different, maybe we can have different rooms. So maybe, you know, if someone came and set fire to one room, uh, the other vampires could, you know, wake up, you know? Yeah, uh, we'll do that tomorrow. tomorrow yeah, maybe. I, I mean, but then what if ha- what if someone has a nightmare? Then they'd be al- they'd be alone. So we want to make sure that, like, we we should probably make sure that there's some way to get fire between the between the rooms. <laughs> hey, Armand, can we borrow your room? No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Louis escapes in a carriage driven by uh, that that snack boy earlier. You remember the guy they were snacking on? Uh, he's yes. driving the carriage that Armand is in. So I. Okay, so I guess he does. He wants to be here. Is this like a? Is he adopted by Armand, and he just lets people take bites out of him? I mean, again, this is assumption. This is just going on vampire tropes. Okay. From, you know, from okay. a lot of films, it could be implied that this poor boy is sort of, you know, in fraud, like you know, immortals. It's quite common they have mortal got it slaves. You don't kill them. You let them drink from them. You don't kill them, and in return, uh, they get to you know get maybe some powers sometimes, got or it. just get to live, and they can do things for you in the day. Mm-hmm. Hence, here where the boy is driving the carriage because uh-huh. it is implied it's the daytime. If not for all the smoke, Louis would be is in the process of going. Ah, shit! Time to die. I would have preferred if they'd <laughs> made that a bit clearer because as it is, it's not horrifying. It's just creepy as fuck. Oh, yeah. No, and again, I'm ass- making assumptions on the genre. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your, your assumptions are probably right. I, I yeah. only mean that for my own reaction, I was mm-hmm. not... The effect it had on me was, like, I felt weird and gross, mm-hmm. not horrified in any way. I was just like, oh, no. No, 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 no. No, again, it's it's it, it. you could easily have just had a young man. Mm-hmm. It didn't need to be a 
kid, but again, I'm on his. He could have had that, uh, but yeah, like that fop from earlier uh, with the old lady, hmm. something like that, like a heavily made up uh, man in nice clothes who's like, yeah, they bite me and takes my blood from time to time. But have you seen the fucking pay package? <laughs> it's to die for. Sorry. sorry yeah, don't. Sorry. You don't. Don't do that. You're better than that, Craig. Uh, but yeah, Armand shows up, almost as if maybe he knew that Louis would go and kill everybody and then probably not have an escape route. Uh-huh, man, that's what he says Louis. as they walk through this art gallery here in full mm. earshot of this random dude. It's probably another servant. <sighs> yeah. It's probably Armand's house, I don't know. Or like he's going, <laughs> I, don't know. I am not paid enough to give a shit. <laughs> so Yes, the final scene where Armand naively is a bit like, hey, Louis... I'm glad I saved you. It's okay. I don't care about all my friends dying. Um, funny, funny tangent. Uh, according to the books, uh, for one of the, the future books, all the characters have their own books. So, for example, there's an Armand book. There's a Lestat book. And apparently, this is the second time the Armand has organized a whole bunch of vampires and then gone, you know what? You guys all suck and they keep, let them get killed. <laughs> so he time. just he collects a bunch of vampires. He makes a room full of vampires. And then he he kills the room full of vampires, and then he makes another room full of vampires. He gets bored with them. He's like, you know what? They're, unlike me, they all suddenly just become very murderous and want to put plays on. Or apparently, again, I have I haven't read. I just is like this is Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the first group was more about worshiping uh, the devil. Got it. Like like medieval monk type vampires. Got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they walk down this hallway and they just smolder at each other for a while. And, like, they, they kind of almost kiss, but don't because 1994. <laughs> they probably That's say something, but I can't tell through all the whispering. Well, Paul, the whispering largely is Armand saying, Louis, come on, you and me, it's going to be great. And you, the film viewer, thinking, you know what? Yeah, this film might start getting good. And uh, then Louis uh, going, and then Louis being nah, like, no. Nah, mate. I'm going to go off and be emotional. Uh-huh. Because it's important to know that at this point, making someone a vampire for Louis was the final straw. He now has no humanity left. That was his whispering before. Oh, making yeah. someone else another vampire, that's it. Not the killing, the murdering, any of that. I would have even gone that- so far as to say the slave ownership, but okay. <laughs> Back when he was still alive, didn't you? <laughs> he was already a monster. He didn't need to be a vampire. Mm. Cut to more reading. From a chapter book, as Louis recalls that that he traveled for ages and didn't find any more vampires. That reads almost like a children's book. It's like, and then Louis walked for miles and miles, and he found a house, but there were no vampires in the house. And then he found a store, but he found no vampires in the store. This is fucking. He went back to the U.S. at some point, and here he discovered movies. Because hey. so let's let's be clear here. He was in France, right? That that's where they invented movies. Mm. The first people to make them were the Lumière brothers in in France. So then he goes to the US and he's like, "Oh, but after I got to America, look at all these movies. Movies are great." So say it with me, America did not invent motion picture. They developed it rather heavily later, not taking that away from anybody, but you know, come on now, guys. I feel this is more the editor looking at the time of running time of the film oh, yeah. and going, wait, shit, we've got a hundred years. 
can we just say he like he likes movies in the 60s and now it's modern day yeah there you go yeah let, yeah we got yeah done yeah yeah i i hear what you're saying uh we had this whole thing about the napoleonic wars but we're not going to do that uh because <laughs> and of course the world war one and two both of those yeah so he just doesn't do anything through those uh nothing interesting happens in those time periods for him he, he goes to the cottage at that point also here's the thing i hate in movies is movies with scenes about how great movies are Oh, you know what I mean? Like at some point, Superman, the editor just goes, ooh. and then the power of movies, everything was made better. And look at everything's great now. And this, this young person has a convertible. Go America. Go America. Hey, look, this guy lost his wife and his kid, but now he's watched a film. It's all okay. It's all good. Yeah. Go America. And now you can see colors again. I guess he didn't see blue for a while. <laughs> He was colorblind, Paul. Let's be respectful. He's colorblind except for when he's at the movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God damn it. So uh, now I guess we must be in the wrap-up phase. He's back in uh, New Orleans, and uh, then he goes into an old building where he caught the scent of death. Turns out it's Lestat. You remember Lestat from earlier in the movie? Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so then a helicopter hovers just outside, and they shine a light into the building. What? They had the budget. They had the budget, Paul. We had to use it. Come on, Paul. Think money. We had the last ten minutes of your film. We still haven't used the helicopter. If you don't use the helicopter, you have to pay the insurance like, or the extra fee. We, we had the helicopter anyway. Like, we rented it for the day. And we got all those shots of the Golden Gate Bridge done earlier, so now we're like, well, can we just hover it in front of this building? All right. And, and they it just, it sort of puts light on them and then goes away. Why was there it's a helicopter? Well, Paul, in another scene, there was this cop who was, wanted revenge against those who killed his family, and he's on like a sort of revenge spree trying to get the people who did it, uh -huh. and of course the police aren't on his side. So that that scene's where he's running across the bridge, you know, guns blazing, and the helicopter's just following him, and it kind of stops for a bit and then continues. Can we watch it's that movie logical. instead? That sounds way better. <laughs> we can, Paul, we can. So, but for now, we have to focus on Paul Lestat, who's become a shriveling, cowardly, terrified of everything. Yeah, uh, he's not a threat anymore, and Louis uh, goes off to continue his life. Roll credits. Wait, no, hang on. Uh, you remember a framing mechanism, man? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, here, the voice of the scriptwriter tells us, no, it can't end like that. Here's another pet peeve of mine. You're, you're a script writer. Like you did, you know how to write a screenplay. If at any point any of the scripts you were reading or reviewing contained a line that said, no, it can't end like that in reference to the plot of the movie, <laughs> how do you feel about that? Uh, not good, I, I hope. Feel... No, no, not good. You need to do that be plausible, but not in that way. Uh, like, for example, you could have the character lamenting his choices uh, and saying, how could it end like this? That's okay. But if they're talking about the actual plot, as he is, it can't. <laughs> this plot can't end like that. Uh, and why not? Because Christian Slater, well, to be honest, at this point, is being a bit like, why the hell am I in this film? Yeah. Uh, I better do something in the last scene. 
Why did you want to tell me the story? What was the point? Surely the point was you want a new vampire. I want to be a vampire. Vampires sound fucking awesome. That's the that's the lesson I've taken from your story, well, Louis. That vampires are awesome. Yeah, the lesson I, the lesson that you've learned is bullshit. Then because that was not the way that I wanted to. I this whole time I've been telling you. This whole time I've been telling you that hey no this is not. Don't be don't feel like it's good. Does this look good to you? And yeah, and then he does a nice, I made a mistake again. No, you haven't. And then, as you said, push him against the wall, basically like, does th- is this fun? Do you like, you know? Do you like dying? Ah. And he goes, no, I don't like dying. This is the opposite of what I wanted. <laughs> well, that's... I wanted others to do the dying for me. I wanted someone else to die, and I just get the vampire powers and immortality. Isn't that how it works? Can we make it work like that? And lose off. Yep, journalist man gathers his cassette tapes. This whole thing's been recorded on a cassette tape. You get yours, get yours at regular electronics store down the road. We showed you the product placement earlier. You remember the tape player. And he runs to his car, which he then drives recklessly into the night and crashes immediately. Roll credits. I mean, he reaches the bridge from that opening. I think it's Golden Gate. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm. someone. But he pops one of the tapes into the car's cassette player to review them. Uh-oh, looks like Lestat is here for some reason, and he kills the journalist man for some reason, and he complains about the tape recording because he's had to listen to Louis' emo whinathon for centuries. <laughs> Let's listen to something else instead, like the cover of Sympathy for the Devil by Guns N' Roses. Go, America! Hey, I like the, the, the cover. He's in a I li- convertible. I, li- I like this ending scene. He's in a red convertible American car. Driving across the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, America. Right? Hey, this is the scene that they see go, brilliant. Now, let, let's fo- oh, this, now the film's going to get good. Oh, it's over. This is where the movie starts, right? <laughs> yeah, with Tom Cruise, like the entertaining character. Uh, or maybe even Armand. Maybe maybe all the characters who are interesting in this film come back and Louis is gone. Great. Maybe oh, start oh. the movie here. And it turns out that, uh, you know. We're going to follow this character as he sort of rides around in a convertible and eats people and listens to the interview that his friend gave and then makes a decision about whether or not to give it to the journalist's editor. Well, plot twist, um, believe it or not, from the book series, Lestat is the more popular character who is almost the main character. Louis kind of has this book, the first one they made, and then he like goes off and it's barely in any of the rest of it, from what I understand. Craig. Because <laughs> fair enough. He's not... Yeah. Is the movie over? The, the, the movie's oh, over. Oh, thank fuck for that. Maybe the journalist would be a good vampire. Maybe he would be. Maybe Christian Slater would be a better vampire. I would prefer Christian Slater, the vampire, to what we got here. <laughs> it was... The movie is over. Why please. is it so slow? It feel, does it I feel, feel slow to you too? Is this just me? It's a long film. It's two hours long, I... but it feels slow. In like, you know what else is a two-hour film? Avengers Endgame, and I was riveted the whole time. I feel the issue is it's because, like you said, it does that. It's trying to be a biography story, but because of that, like you said at the very beginning, knowing Brad Pitt is going to be doing this interview, there's no drama because you know he's going to live for it mm-hmm. but I, I wonder if that is one of the core problems it's the core problem Maybe. of this framing mm-hmm. mechanism anyway but a lot mm-hmm. of it also to me is the audiobook style 
uh, voiceover delivery that happens mm. over some very slow pan shots. Gorgeous shots, I will say. The lighting's perfect. The shot is perfect. It's expertly made. Every The craftsmanship of this movie is peerless. I, I will say that. But every shot is either locked off, shot reverse shot, or slow pan across a thing while someone tells you about the struggles of this guy, Louie, who you haven't cared about since Act 1, and even then, we're not terribly into. <laughs> uh, the stat, on the other hand, what fun! And then they kill him. Yep. They ignore constantly the first rule of cinema, show, don't tell. They keep just telling me what the characters are feeling rather than letting me see it through their actions. Uh, I mean, there's almost a reason, I feel, why you have this film. Then, hang on, let me just check when they release, because I think it's a long time after, but let me just double check for you. Uh, The the release of this film, I think, was 94. Yes, uh, Queen... Of the oh, Queen of the Damned. Uh, uh, yeah, Queen of the Damned is 2002. So, so quite there was like an eight-year gap between these two movies. And that film is completely forgettable for the most part. Uh, and that's it. And that's then it, I think, other than I think maybe they then make a TV show very long uh-huh. period of time. But that's it for the series. You get this film and the whole rest of this. Again, the Vampire Chronicles part mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. title. Nope. We don't, we're not going to see that because maybe this sort of the book's Maybe the book and the film thing just doesn't translate well here. Mm. I think they're all quite similar, the books, of long monologue-like stories. And in a book, I mm. can sort of see that working, right? It feels like the reading a memoir is a very different feel, and it's a feel that I don't, I don't like that in films because it feels slow and dolorous and uneventful. And uh, mel- it's not even melancholy, it's melodramatic in a way that's sort of, oh, woe is me, right? Uh, I mean, mm. maybe also this is amplified because Louis is just a piece of shit the whole time. The whole time. he's He starts as a plantation owner who owns and exploits slaves, but we're, fe- we're sorry, to- we need to feel sorry for him because, oh no, his wife's dead. Well, okay, fine, mm. you're sad, I get that you're sad, you get to be sad, that's valid, but like you're expecting me to have sympathy for you, um, maybe learn a lesson from it. <clears throat> yeah, I never felt sympathy for him at all. Uh, Lestat was one-dimensional. Let's eat the babies, villain who I didn't find interesting or even threatening the whole time. Entertaining occasionally, but like, ugh. Yeah, again, it's the sort of thing where you can feel he gets two lines, maybe three, of some development. Mm-hmm. And you go, you lean in like, oh, okay, and then nope, nope, we're gonna, moving on. Well, now that we've, now that we've given you a little bit of plot development, let's and again, have a look at I know this from the shot books of that the they Mississippi. Have, like they have a whole book about him. They have a whole book about Amon. I'm like, oh, I was looking at the Wikipedia. Going, oh, okay, that's like that. That explains. But again, we don't have time for uh-huh. that. Uh, and you shouldn't need to either because you know come on maybe why don't you just have a few scenes of them actually discussing something interesting mm-hmm. 10 minutes 10 minutes of a scene where here's this uh, you know it, it's fine uh-huh. we kick it but but we don't yeah the framing mechanism man was pointless annoying and undercut most of the drama because it would sort of it would, something dramatic would happen and then we'd be pulled out of it because we need to check back in with the framing mechanism 
Exactly, the whole, the whole interview with the vampire. There is no interview. Why not? I think that could be fun. I think we could have had him interviewing him, and maybe the plot was also in the modern day. Maybe you got a flashback or two, but maybe the film's actually about a guy interviewing a vampire. If you did... Crazy idea. A, if you did something closer to the way that they made mm. 12 Angry Men, but you're interviewing a vampire, mm. and then maybe you have a scene... Maybe the police are interviewing the vampire, right? Now, I'm, I'm aware that this is also Anne Rice's book, and it's an adaptation of that. And I don't want to shit on her mm. work. I haven't read the book. Maybe the book mm. is excellent. Mm. I, I don't – based on the film, I don't feel like reading it. So if uh, if anybody wants to tell me that it's actually worth a read, then, yeah, maybe I'll add it to the list. Why not? I got a, a good sort of book list going. But uh, I I don't know, man. Uh, Claudia. Claudia is the best thing about this movie. Clap it along with me best thing about this movie she has a real motivation and she seems to have more agency over her decisions and the plot than any other characters do it's it's very good she has a full arc she actually see everything we see her creation her end the whole Mm -hmm. story and it works it's a good story the story Mm. should have started and ended with her we should it Mm. should have been a shocking moment where she discovers Mm. you're the one who killed me like the whole time she's just like, you know, don't show any vampire stuff and it's a normal family. And at some point she's like, I'm 22 years old. Why don't I have breasts? Mm. Right? Like that would have been a little like, oh, well, your two dads need to have a conversation with you then. And then she does a thing. Like I could see that working in a film. Mm. You know, uh, <sighs> so I had to watch this twice. And mm. on my second watch through, I was perfectly comfortable skipping ahead with the plus 10 seconds button on the streaming service I used to watch it. Just skip mm. ahead 10 mm-hmm. seconds over and over to be like, okay, nothing happens for the next six minutes. So I'm just going to scrub ahead a little and find the next part where something happens. And occasionally it really was like 10 minutes would pass and nothing. Hmm. 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 Uh, and also, I feel like I always prefer the second half of the film to the first half. However, however, big caveat to that, it's also far more rushed. Oh, yeah. It feels like all that stuff could be more interesting than it mm. is. The, the film could have been looked like, I'd, you know, ah, here's a vampire society. Mm. Here's some stuff going on. But instead, it's condensed because it has to be. Uh, Antonio Banderas is great as well. I love Anto- Antonio Banderas is, 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 is as he always is. He's great. He's charismatic. Yeah, I want to know more about his character. Uh, every scene with him, I was like interested again, and he goes, "You're like, oh, right back to Louis." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's it, it's the whispering thing. It's the everything is either whispered so barely that it's hard to hear it. Even when I turned it up on my quite good audio system here, even on headphones, I had to turn it up and listen three times to be like, "Was was that a B or what did she say?" I don't. And then three seconds later, they'll be yelling their asses off and getting big stings in the score. And I'm listening to it going, oh, okay, I'm going to turn that down now because that hurt. Rule Mm. one of Mm. anything, don't hurt your audience. But I confess, nostalgia, again, for someone like me who's watched it seven, eight, nine times and really likes, you know, vampire fiction I like it, but I like it on the caveat that I think of it as a silly, a silly film. Yeah. 
Nostalgion rears his ugly yeah, exactly. head. This is a, yes, this is does. a supervillain, Nostalgion, the man who alters your memories. Yeah, it's, exactly. I mean, my main feeling watching this film with like I never saw it in the '90s or at all. Hmm. I'm mainly frustrated and annoyed the whole time. Hmm. So I don't know if that's what they wanted me to be feeling, but it, it's like the entire plot feels like a series of and then this happens with no clear connection between what's happening and the character's hmm. motivations or even if there are character motivations or if they're just sort of weird marionettes who are going through random scenes together and none of the characters are sympathetic enough to care about except occasionally Claudia who like again she's had this horrible thing done to her and she's having to reconcile that in herself but we don't spend enough time with her to really learn that instead the whole movie is about Louis for some reason um yeah and again it's one of those things where i can say i it, it's the one of those weird things where i've just said to you i like the film and think it's fun and silly but have i disagreed with anything you've said no nostalgia you're right. You're right. yeah yeah <laughs> what have you done uh and again also it's be- and it's because it's knowing that no good or bad this for its time was one of these vampire films that then it was one of the first one of the first i'm not it's definitely not the first fact checking or mm-hmm, whatever but mm-hmm. i definitely think it was one of the first of the 90s the idea of wait a minute maybe vampires don't like being vampires like i said before that 80s vampire films every vampire loved being mm-hmm. a vampire and and they were all monsters they were all you know things like films like uh, referencing for the viewers because i know you won't have seen them before mm-hmm. uh fright night um and the lost boys cool vampires they go around they're like i'm a vampire it's awesome like lestat and this was one of the first films which went hang on a minute maybe sometimes vampires don't like it and then suddenly 90s like i mean we get the twilight 10 years later things like twilight that you could argue is inspired by this sort of vampires are all emotional and oh emotional and sad and you could argue this is one of the first films popular films that started showing that trope that is now obviously quite a traditional trope mm. yeah i see what you mean mm. uh like i mm. again i don't hate the development into a mm. more a more nuanced like uh maybe vampires are not super into being vampires but when we say that's a mm. new thing i'm like well isn't have i mean isn't that the bram stoker a lot of the point of that is that dracula isn't super happy about being dracula he's just sort of going well what else show me my options like you know true true i think again i think it's it's more just like in terms of cinema oh yeah like, yeah, yeah that yeah. switch from 80s fun 90s emotional and then and then to the 2000s more all the action like suddenly vampires you know, oh i get you are, are yeah, 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 yeah beat yeah. each other up blade and all that Again, I'm generalizing. That is a massive generalization because I'm, if we really researched it, but we're, we're not here for research. We're here for general opinion. I guess so. I mean, I'm here because I know very little about this. So the the yes. point for me is I wonder coming from only whatever I've absorbed via osmosis from the ether, what I think about it. I will say the I'm looking for positives here. The costume department, fucking mm. spectacular. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sets as well. Sets part, as right? well. Yeah, absolutely. Art department and whole prop department. Every fucking department. This is a technical masterpiece in so many ways, right? Hmm. I'm going to special mention just as an audio guy, who the, the boom operator. I even looked up their name in the credits. Boom operator. <laughs> Do you have any idea how hard this is anyway? 
You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, do tell. Okay, so uh, have you seen on film sets, there's like a dude holding a stick over their heads, and at the end of the stick, there's a mic? Yes, yes, there you go, yes. Yeah, yeah, so that's a boom. We call it a boom arm, because if mm. it hits you in the head, boom, right? Mm. Uh, it's, it's also named after that part on a ship that's the bottom bit of the sail. That's called the boom, so you sort of boom it across. Uh, so I've done boom operation, and a lot of the skill of that is you want to get the mic as close as you can to the sound source, normally an actor's face, head, mouth, etc. Uh, and you can't have it in frame, because I'm sure you've seen those pictures of like, oh, they got the mic in frame in this shot, that's yeah, an oopsie. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But uh, whoever was doing the the mic on this, uh, in fact, I'm going to call them out. Jack Armstrong is the boom operator's name. Fucking spectacular. If this was on set sound and not a whole bunch of ADR, then mm. you did such a spectacular job, Mr. Armstrong. I salute you, sir. And, of course, the rest of the sound department, because holy hell, getting this, this kind of whisper nonsense, ugh. <laughs> I know, right? But, Paul, I think there's a final pressing question that I wish to ask you. After oh. all, it is Paul Tober. It is Paul Tober. The question is... Yeah. Was this a horror film? I It had the trappings of what I think a horror movie should have. It had a bunch of blood in it, and it had a bunch of nudity in it, and it had a bunch of people dying in it. I didn't feel horrified at any stage. Uh, based on my like cursory knowledge of horror movies, which really amounts to the three previous things I've watched this month, which were... Uh, Evil Dead 2, uh, what was the first one I did? Oh, uh, Evil Dead 2, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and uh, an episode of Castlevania, the Netflix show. That's sort of what I know about vampires and horror in general. This didn't feel like that. This felt like a, felt like a sitcom almost. It, (laughs) It felt like, uh... Felt like a drama more than a more than a horror movie. It was like a drama with horror elements, or at least I wasn't afraid at any point. I was sort of watching hmm. it, going, "Well, that's problematic. I don't understand why they put that in there." Yeah, no, and I agree. Like it is down as a, as a horror romance, apparently, but um, yeah, it, it's a weird mix. But I'm glad on that end because, again, knowing that you hadn't seen uh-huh. many horror films, I thought that do you now see what I thought this could be a good toe tipping film. Oh, yeah, I I totally get the sort of here's some tropes you might want to be aware of, but also Mm. fuck this movie. I I hated so much. Well, I hated. I I didn't hate Mm. the movie. There were redeeming elements about it. But like it's the movie doesn't appear to understand who the interesting people are. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. That is. Yeah, that's the issue. So I I didn't like it at all. The the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to watch this again. Right, because the the technique I I watch the movie once just to watch it, and then a second time to write jokes and whatnot. It it helps me get a script together and everything. I, I was so dreading the second time, and all the way through the second time, I took an extra couple of breaks just to be like, "All right, I have to go back in now." So I don't know. I I don't think I'd. I I own it on on my streaming service now, and I'm upset that I do. Oh, why do you own it? You just rented it. Well, it was like, uh, the difference was 50 pence made. So oh. I was like, oh, whatever, okay. I'll buy it. Like, oh, if I need enough. to watch it, if there's some reason that we need to cancel, then I don't have to rent it again. 
Well, hopefully, Paul, even though it was not enjoyable, I hope yeah. today was enjoyable. Oh, and yeah. I hope this was good for you to uh, cross off the list, because now you can say, yeah, I've seen that film. Nah. Have I been shitting on your favorite movie, though? Because I feel bad oh, if so. Oh, God, no. No. Oh, no. 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 That, that, I agreed with you on everything you said. I, I, yeah. I love this film because I think it's a silly, stupid film. Oh, okay. uh, And actually, funnily enough, uh, on this showing, I was watching it with my mother, who halfway through was like, ah, I hate Tom Cruise. It's an awful film. <laughs> your mother was saying she hates. That's her main objection. Yeah. Is she yeah. doesn't like Tom Cruise. And, and blood and people. Eating and blood other. and people. She doesn't like Tom Cruise, blood, or people. So all you need to do is find you a movie that doesn't include those three elements. We have plenty. But again, no, honestly, I agree. And I enjoy it. It's one of those films I like to make fun of because you Mm. should make fun of it because Mm. it has not aged well and it's silly. But hopefully, now you've seen that, some of the other vampire films you'll see, you might start going, oh, oh, hang on. Oh, it's that again. Because again, so many tropes of vampire fiction are all over the place in this film. I suppose that right, eh? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So hmm. I guess then, unless there's anything else to add, um, I don't know, Paul. Uh, if you uh, do, you want to become immortal? Uh, just drink from here, and uh, you, 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 you'll be immortal. No, no, no thanks. No strings. No, no thanks. Strings. No, I, that's fine. No, thank you. Goodbye now. No, 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 Paul, come back, Paul. I don't want to be alone, Paul. Paul. What? Oh, were you saying something? I couldn't hear your whispers. <laughs> I'm going to go off and be alone. We have been, I have been one for Paul. This has been one for Paul. Whatever, the, how, do pro, how do prepositions work? This has been one for Paul. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, once again, where can we find your stuff, Craig? Hi, guys. If you've enjoyed listening to me ramble on, I do more rambling uh, in a slightly more storytelling manner on www.redmoonroleplaying.com check us out if you're in the mood for some dark ambient and hey we even do some vampire stuff maybe it's even better than this film maybe that's right only two w's in that www dot <laughs> www dot damn you paul <laughs> www dot damn you paul is not a website you can go to to find me you can find me at one for paul on twitter And if you'd like to chip in a couple of bucks to help keep the show running, then you can do that on patreon.com slash one for Paul. That's patreon.com slash one for Paul. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. I made this chart for you. Could you please pay attention to section 2B? What? I know you can. Stab you, Paul!